let's visit and revisit that that version of Tori back then. Oh God. <laughs> do you feel proud of her? Am I proud of her? Proud of her. How do you feel about her back then? If you could speak to her now. Oh God. You wanted me to come on here and cry. <laughs> Welcome to the New Age Sage Podcast where you come to free your mind from all the things that keep you in suffering. You're gonna love today's episode. Today's guest is Tori Deal. She is a reality TV star from my favorite show, The Challenge, which she just won. She is a beautiful human being. We go deep into her healing journey. It's amazing. Please like and subscribe. Thank you. Tori, uh, welcome on on the show. Thank you, Lucas. Thanks for having me. I wanted to start with talking about what you're currently moving through. What in your healing journey right now in this moment or in this period of week or your life is what's the theme of what you're currently integrating or healing? Mm. God, I wish I could sum it up in one answer, but I think it's a little bit more complicated. But if I had to focus on one specific thing, I think it's just stepping more into truth and as much as possible. And, uh, and when you do step into truth, like, sorry, my God, of course my cat would be out right now. Um, when you do step into truth, like, I don't know, like right now it just feels like I'm getting a lot of, a lot of pressure from the universe, whether it be like, you know, negative comments or a story being flipped or people, I don't know. I, honestly, it's just been it's a, been a whirlwind. But I, I can say, like, just trying to step into truth recently has been the lesson, I guess. How are you dealing with that? What's your strategy right now? What does it feel like? What's what's tough right now with that? I guess what's tough is as you as an individual are trying to understand your truth, and I'm saying this as somebody with a very public platform. You have other people trying to observe your truth as well. And sometimes they'll input their judgment onto you. So it can be hard and difficult to try to figure out how you feel about something when you're taking in so many more uh, opinions from people. And yeah, I just think that it's a, it's a big balance trying to figure out the way you feel about something, but also taking in everybody else's opinion. How does it feel in those moments? Let's say things are getting spun hate's coming your way in that moment how do you reckon with that feeling itself like what does that look like in, in a very visceral moment i think in, initially how can you not go to defense like when when you feel like somebody's not seeing your point of view clearly or they don't agree with it it's like why like what what are what are you what do you see that i'm missing that's kind of initially where i go And sometimes if I'm not like that open-minded, I will just go straight to like, fuck them, you know? And then ultimately when I start to peel back those layers, I'm like, okay, maybe I'm missing something. Maybe there's more to learn here. But like, that's once you have the energy to deal with the hate. Because initially, like the, the feeling of getting hate or the feeling of not being understood, nobody likes that feeling. Staying in your truth is hard when other people are projecting things on you. Even though you're in the spotlight now, was that a theme before all this? Like, how did that show up for you in your childhood or or earlier experiences? Like, was that a common theme for you throughout your yeah. life? Mm-hmm. Definitely. People pleasing was a big one for me and wanting acceptance was a big one for me. 
Um, I definitely think that I've done a lot of inner child healing work with my life coach. And so I know that like those earlier years when my parents were going through a divorce and like, I was always the funny one or the goofy one and adding more fun to the situation. It helped me get like it, it doing things that made me more likable to get the praise I wanted to get to fill that hole of attention. So I've copied and pasted that understanding of life all the way up until now. And so I'm trying to deconstruct that people pleasing mentality. But anytime something like this comes up where like I do get negative comments on social media, it is triggered. So it does require a lot of work to just pull down the energy and and the defense. Yeah. So considering you're, you're on television, was the beginning of that part of that persona, like putting on, like going back to that childhood thing and how are you dealing with that now? Like when you're going on on TV and on camera, is it hard to balance that? Like, am I showing up as me or do I have to put on this this persona I'm used to? Like, how do you manage that? It's interesting because I think sometimes I'm more aware of it than I am other times. Sometimes I just am like totally filling it, filling in the space by by people pleasing, but I'm so in the moment that I won't recognize it. And then other times I'll be like, wait a minute, like, this isn't, this isn't actually what I want to do. So it's, it's really just taken time, but it has definitely been like earlier in my career. Now that I've been on TV for seven years, like the first two, three years definitely were rooted in people pleasing. Um, and now I just kind of am doing my best to step into my authenticity, like, which is the good, the bad, the ugly and everything in between. Take me back to the moment where you first had that massive awareness, that first moment where everything kind of clicked like you zoomed out and you had that first awakening like what was it like for you when you first when that awareness really started popping up like the people pleasing and just like understanding myself more i feel like for every person there's a moment or, or a period of time where they're hit so hard or something happens is so catastrophic that they're forced mm. to zoom all the way out and, and become this new person of of transformation where you're going to enter the cocoon so what was that what was the period of time like for you yeah i think it was definitely the breakup of my fiance and i because uh, like I saw who I was in the relationship and then I saw how I handled the breakup and I always thought of myself as like a good person. And then I saw, I like really saw the way I hurt him. And I was like, wait a minute, that's a like a really shitty thing to do. Like I have, I like legitimately have work. So I think when I realized that I hurt somebody I loved, that's when I was like, oh my God, like this is, this is not okay. And that's when like, I real. I mean, I was in life coaching before that, but that like revved it to a new level because it was like a breakthrough and it was a catastrophic year in my life. I ended up moving back in with my mom and like, not for financial reasons, but because I literally didn't know where to go. Like I felt so lost and I like needed to be home. And yeah, it was just so, wow, I'm about to cry. You got me on, you got me on a day. <laughs> no. um, yeah, it was just so it, it brought me down. But that was like that was that was before I went on any medication. That was before I like really, mm-hmm. you know, started to deal with it better. So yeah, it's been about two years since that point. So um, let's 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 visit and revisit that that version of Tori back then. Oh God, <laughs> do you feel proud of her? Am I proud of her? You proud of her? How do you feel about her back then? If you could speak to her now. Oh God. You wanted me to come on here and cry. <laughs> I want to see it all. Tell me about it. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I just feel like I, I just feel sorry for her. I really do. But at the same time, I'm, I'm, I'm just proud. I'm just, you know, sorry that she didn't have the tools and understanding to navigate harder situations better. And um, there wasn't enough self-love there. Self-love is definitely something that I preached and did not, like, I preached it because I wanted to believe in it. So there wasn't a lot of self-love. If you could tell her something right now, what would you say to help her? Mm. I would just tell her, trust, trust the process because there's a lesson here for sure. And it's, going to be very beneficial and it and it was it's like we're doing great <laughs> so beautiful to hear i see a common theme in people I, I talk to or interview that even amidst the worst moments the most painful moments that if you zoom out it, it you had to go through that even though it sucked to, to find where you are now you really had to experience that so for you what was that now that you know you've identified and processed the pain what was the biggest silver lining that led you to find the love for yourself hmm hmm yeah i guess like what led me to do it was just like when you when you sit in a mental space of being so unhappy for so long you forget to look around and like just appreciate what what good is there and so I just did my best to like focus on that and then that helped me to fortify my my like me having my own back like wait a minute yeah like you've made mistakes but you're not a bad person and like you deserve everything that you're working towards so it was me having my own my own back it was like me stepping in as my own parent yeah yeah, I, I want to go into now something called the golden shadow. So a lot of what we do on the healing path is shadow work, which is discovering the parts of yourself that aren't great, that are dark, that aren't serving you. What's some of the good or the power in you that you forget about sometimes? And what's the lighter side of you that you often forget to, to pat yourself on the back for? Yeah, I think definitely um, my compassion and willingness to take responsibility for my mistakes and the strength and vulnerability that I carry to do that because it's not easy. And you can definitely live in a cycle of negativity and being a bad person if you wanted to, but you can also, you know, be powerful and take responsibility and change. So I definitely like appreciate that version of myself. And I think obviously that's what got me to this place which I know I can still grow from, but it's definitely better than where it was. No, it's perpetual. I just want to give you props and praise because for the level where you're at, it's so easy just to to go into oblivion, just to forget it all and get into the ego, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You have all the tools to not do any of this from a, like a, a external perspective, but the fact that you are where you are now and you're being this honest and, and real with yourself is, is beautiful to see and it, it lights me up. Thank you. So, Genuinely. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your recent sobriety journey. You, you stopped drinking. How's that? How's that going for you? Mm, amazing. I actually had somebody last night. I was at a like a gathering, and they were like, "You look incredible." And I was like, 
I just think it's because I'm not drinking. Like I feel like when I walk into a party and like, I know that I am not a slave to the alcohol that's in the room. I'm not going to like, oh, I need a drink just to make sure I'm, I'm worried about this awkward moment. Like I'm not filling the void anymore. I can stand within myself in any scenario. That is a different kind of power. And so, yeah, I feel like I got my power back. For sure. I'm with you. I'm on that journey too. But what's also tough in it is once you remove the drug or the distraction, you're left with facing the dragon, what you've been covering up. So what did alcohol cover up for you that you're now facing? Definitely that I think I'm like socially awkward. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Same here. In what way? Yeah, I think I like would would like drink and like I would feel like I I mean I was probably awkward when I was drinking too. I just felt less bad about it. But you definitely become more alert when you're not drinking. So I think socially awkward and then also, you know, the fear of not being the life of the party because always wanting to be accepted and like, you know, enjoyed in a fun way, that is something I carried with me since I was a kid. So, and I was like literally drinking since I was 13 like sneaking out and drinking. So it was like a big part of my childhood. I hear you. I think alcohol makes you accept your weird weirdness. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think we're all we're all fucking weird in our own ways. But once people drink, like you become comfortable with that uniqueness. So how's that been freeing for you? Are, are you more able to step into that weirdness now in, in the moment? Like how has it freed you in a way? It has freed me, yeah. Because I definitely, now that I have my own back, I, I don't really care what people think. And to speak to last night again, we went out and like, we're dancing for like an hour. And like, I felt like, I don't know if you've seen Wednesday Adams on Netflix, but she's like, like, and just owns it. And I was dancing. Like I didn't, I literally did not care what I looked like. And I think that it was a form of expression and I've gotten more comfortable with that. Realizing that like, I'm not dancing to look good for anybody or to feel like I'm hot. I'm dancing right now because I want to feel this moment and I want it to move through my body and that's release. And that's powerful. So that is something that I've experienced now that I hadn't before. And I love it. I hear you. I, I agree. You've touched upon having your back now a couple of times. What does that look like for you? Let's say a moment of distress or when you're really in it. What does having your back look like and how have you built that up? It's definitely reprioritizing for me because when something triggers me or, you know, there's a negative situation. I'm all, I always have a to-do list every single day. Like I have a lot of things I like to get done. And so the moment I get triggered, I have to now, I can either decide, am I going to go through with these tasks or am I going to shift my day around to make sure that my mental health comes first? Like I have to have my own back. Does this mean that I'm taking my off day today and I'm making my, I'm going to work on Saturday then? Okay, cool. That's what I'm going to do because right now I need me. So that's to me what it's like to have my own back. And then also Having your own back doesn't mean you're saying fuck you to everybody's negative opinions. It's like, we're going to read through what is being said about us. And then we're going to decide together, me and my inner child, if it fits with what we believe. And if we can take advice from it, great. And if we can't, then let's leave it because we don't need that. We don't need to carry that anymore. It's so great to hear you have that distinction between you and the inner child, because I, I noticed that myself too, that need to control or do all these things all these some of these negative things comes from the inner child so for you what are ways that the inner child sh shows up for you in your life that are, are maybe hold you back a bit okay so the way my inner child holds me back i mean is definitely not speaking my mind all the time because i'm afraid that it will create confrontation 
and I try to avoid confrontation. Um, what was that piece like in relationships for you? That part that you just said, how did that show up in romantic relationships for you? Avoiding confrontation. Hmm. I don't think it's so much romantic relationships. Oh, it's more so like, how does it show up? Okay. Take me to those situations then. Yeah. Yeah. I think like mostly with friends, because when you're in a romantic relationship, like you and that person, I think are very intimate. And I think all feelings should be talked about. Like I, I do believe in like respecting space, but at the same time, trans full transparency. But like in friendships, it's kind of like, I support you as a friend, but like, I don't have to, to nitpick every little thing you say. Like, if I don't agree with you eating meat, am I going to sit here and call you out on it? Like, so there, there are those fine balances of me being like, okay, well, this doesn't really go with what I believe in. Am I going to say something or am I going to bite my tongue right now? Because, you know, it, I don't want to ruffle the feathers and I don't want to kill the vibe. So it's like sometimes, and like a friend, of course, like it's, that's a complicated argument to even say without talking about inner child. But like, I definitely think it, it has required me to make sure that I don't say anything that's going to make people think that I'm a a mean person. We were going into the, the inner child and maybe go into more about how she shows up for you. Mm -hmm. Like in a good way. Yeah, sure. Maybe give me a little bit of both. Like what, how it affects, how the, it's a bit where it holds you back and then the parts of it set that set you free. Cause it's definitely both. In my yeah. Yeah. I have never really thought about my inner child shadow before. So that's why I think this like question is kind of like, Hmm, because yeah, I guess like, I mostly think about it in the shadow way. So it's, it's, it's interesting hearing your perspective. So yeah, go on. So, well, obviously like the inner child, it's, I mean, it's just, yeah. So it's, like m- my require for attention has held me back in a negative way. But at the same time, like, how do I actually know that? Right. Because if anything, like, this is just my trajectory. And this is like, if, if I believe in my path and my purpose, then it's just part of what I'm supposed to be doing. But it, if you take that out of the picture, if you look at it, like, yeah, my inner child, like wants acceptance from people and attention that has obviously given me the opportunity to create and cultivate a platform for myself in the way that I have. But also on the negative aspect, having that platform, now when people will give me negative comments, it affects me. So it's like, I wanted this thing, but it came with this. And so there's always going to be, no matter what level that disagreement is at, whether it's, I don't get the acceptance from like my my friends or my parents, or I don't get the acceptance from 700,000 followers on social media. It's like, that's this it's the same feeling no matter what rung of the ladder you're looking at so i guess it's interesting that you asked that question because it's never really looked at it that way before <laughs> i'll go i'll tell you from my perspective so there's definitely the compassionate piece right there's a kid it's all love but for me like my my experience was i had distant parents i was always like my inner child was always searching for love and chasing them and doing all these things so like it's not the sh- shadow's a hard word, but like the part of it that holds me back is this like need to control situations that came from my child. That's why I see it's like a childhood pattern that I'm repeating that's fucking up my life. I see as like the, the the part of the inner child that I have to heal. Do, do you get what I'm saying? So it's like that. And of course, it's all the, the beautiful things, right? Like the weirdness, the, like the embracing yourself in many ways. Like that's all beautiful, but it's a, it's a duality for me. So, but, yeah. but what's been good for you? What, what part of your inner child you embrace I, I feel a very 
authentic, beautiful energy from you. It's like, so I can feel the inner child in you. Oh, thank you. How has that shown up for you in your life and your, your career? How has it helped you? Oh, thank you. Well, first, thanks for sharing your story with me because I've never actually heard it and I would love to hear more. So I'm going to have to dive deeper on your, <laughs> any podcast you've ever been on um, to learn more because uh super interesting. And um, yeah, I think like the inner child has showed up. Wait, that that was a question, right? It was like, how does the good part of it, like how does that like good, the good fun side of it show up for you in your life? How has it helped you? Yeah, definitely just by like the inner child, my inner child has showed up by truly enjoying life for what it is, like making the most intense moments, the goofiest moments. I could be on top of a building, like dangling, scared as shit about to do a challenge and like making myself crack up because like, I'll be like, I can't believe the fu- I'm up here, you know? Or like if I spill a coffee all over myself in my kitchen, like I don't get mad at that stuff. I crack up because I'm like, of course, like I would spill a coffee on myself right now all over my white pants again. Like it's just about like enjoying like the true, truly enjoying like the little moments that come up. My inner child has supported me so much through that because the truth is I love life. I love it. Like I, I am so grateful to be here. I cannot believe that. I get the opportunity to be who I am and like live the path that I live. And so, you know, of course we have of the negative things that come up as well, but deep down, like I'm just, just fully grateful for this experience. It's a beautiful lesson people can take that you can, what I'm hearing you say is that in any moment that's hard or mundane or, or challenging, you can tap into the energy of just playful acceptance that you can just make joy and fun out of anything that's coming your way which is is truly powerful so it's 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 amazing you have that in you because most people can't get there most people are just taking things so seriously and not able to tap into that fun it's like it's that makes me feel so bad for people it makes me feel so bad i try to have fun with like every little thing i do to the point where people are like she's weird you know and i'm Hey, with that because the truth is, is like I am and like I think a lot of people are but they're afraid to just be that and that just comes with like acceptance too like on my ayahuasca experience have you ever done ayahuasca I've done other things I've done DMT but never never ayahuasca yeah so I I think that they're pretty similar like it's it's I think they're similar components but like that was the big lesson I got from Aya like acceptance is it's all anybody wants like that's it we all just want to feel like somebody accepts us and we're all just so different so like that's why we we clash the way we do but it is crazy like when you when you can just like be weird and have moments with yourself and enjoy it and accept yourself for whatever comes like it yeah, it's like you have to enjoy life. You're living it. And like the mundane moments make up more of the moments than the big ones. And what moments is it? Because if you got the, the, the hit in ayahuasca of self-acceptance, mm-hmm. I think that's a curriculum. That becomes your curriculum for your experience of the universe. So then you attract situations to challenge that. Oh, great. <laughs> what, and what moments for you and yourself is hard to get into self-acceptance? Yeah, I think when I make a mistake or say something that hurts people's feelings, Mm -hmm. um, for example, like I had done a a challenge with a, with a girl who came out with that. She had a neurodivergence 
she was autistic, partially autistic or on the spectrum. I don't know if I'm saying it correctly and I definitely don't want to say it wrong. So, um, but basically I had said something on social media that was worded poorly. And I think I, I really upset and I think, and I know I really upset her. And so to know that like I did something wrong, even when my heart wasn't actually meaning to do something wrong, like seeing the full picture, seeing how saying something can and making something about like how other people viewed it rather than what this girl's actually talking about. Like that is, that is a mistake that is like, that feels very heavy on my heart. And so like right now I have to, I have to accept myself for making that mistake because like, it's difficult to do things. It It's difficult to make mistakes and apologize for them, especially on a public platform and to hurt people's feelings. Most importantly, like Nobody wants their feeling. I, I would never want to hurt somebody's feelings. So the point I'm trying to get at, like accepting myself for when I make mistakes is the hardest thing because we're always going to make them. Even if we don't mean to, you you don't know when, when you know, you're going to do something that's going to hurt somebody else accidentally. Yeah, I think what you're referring to is that you can make a mistake, but not shame yourself. I think it's a very key distinction, right? Like, the only way we make, we grow as human beings is to make mistakes. And we unfortunately live in a culture where a mistake becomes your identity. Where once you do something wrong, that becomes attached to your name. And it's all people think about. And that leads to shame. And then you live in that box of shame. So, you know, maybe just, just let go of that shame. I know you didn't, you didn't mean to do it. But just that, that shame never it never gets anywhere. It just sticks you. It, it, it's sticky. And you start to harden yourself. So it's okay to let go of the shame. You know what? I think, like, shame is a big one for me, too. Like, I like maybe it's just from being like so hard on myself, but like the shame perpetuates that. So like, how do you even release that? Like, what is your tactic? Um, so I do a medit, this is like very woo woo of me, but I do a meditation where I kind of ground myself. I start feeling my heart and I picture the situation in front of me, whether it's a challenge, a person who's wronged me or something from my heart. I say, thank you. I say thank you. I keep saying thank you until I can get to a place where I'm grateful for what's happening, where I attract the situation. Wow. Teach me something to evolve me. So it's it's really just saying thank you to those things. Um that's what diffuses the shame. It, it's just an, a, a gratitude for whatever's happening. Because part of shame is like not accepting where you're at, what you're doing, just being in this complete denial, like what what the fuck? Once you thank it and that, that vibration of gratitude, you're just like everything, everything lifts off. So, you know, maybe in a couple of hours, something just, just sit down and picture the situation to say thank you and just try and find why you attracted that, why that situation is teaching you something. And then through love, it'll start, it'll start blossoming. You know, I've learned that the hard way, but that works. I'm definitely going to do that. A hundred percent going to do that later. <laughs> thank you. Of course, the stakes are high. Like it's, it's fucking difficult. Yeah. No, I, I, I hear you, but uh, I want to segue a bit into your experience in the challenge house because mm-hmm. for me as someone i assume you're, you're a sensitive person mm. for what you went through in that house my heart was just like how how did she do this like truly just this sort of place of like, how, how did she do this so how did you do it in terms of <laughs> you're facing that um like with my ex yeah, all the stuff that was going on, like this show and, and, and having that person show up in the house for you. Like, how was that all for you? And how did you get through it? Yeah, yeah. So I definitely am now a very big believer in timing because 
the work that I had done to get to that place before entering that house. Like I was at the best spot I was at mentally entering that house. And I had been probably like six years prior, probably actually ever in my whole life. Right. Because I was able to just like piece together my mistakes and like own it and feel okay with it and release the shame. So I entered the house really, really great. And then the moment the universe offered me the lesson again, you know, it came. So thankfully I was at a good enough spot. Like I wasn't deteriorating while he came. Um, but I can say like, I just wanted to make myself proud. Like I really did. I knew it was hard and it felt really, really hard. And like, I had times when I would be crying in my bed nonstop Mm -hmm. and I just held space for myself, whatever the feeling was. And I would talk to my friends that, you know, would hold space for me when I could. And then I just sat in my bed. I wrote a lot of poetry and I did my best, my best to just continue to release the pain the way I had learned to do it in a, in a healthy way. And so I hope that like looking back now, this can be, it's a lesson for me in life. And I hope that anybody watching it can see, like, if you have the ability to get through a situation like that, and obviously this was for a competition, but like, if you have the ability to sit and get through it and like hold space for yourself, there could be a beautiful prize on the end of it. And like, that was my experience. I went through that whole season and it was like pretty intense. And then I ended up winning at the end. And so I, I take it as like, a sign from the universe truly like and i think that it, it's a, it's a lesson that i'm never going to forget it's beautiful congratulations by the way um and so where i kind of translate into spiritual lingo is that you'll attract the same situation that you have to heal until you really feel it it'll keep coming back until you really really feel it it's like a spiral, right? It'll keep coming back until you keep processing, keep processing it until when, once you get there, you become free. And then you, I, I kind of see that you got a gift somehow, that, that the universe, will, something will come your way. I say, ah, thank you. So was that, do you feel like that was the final iteration where you're like, I have, like, I'm free now. I close the, 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 the loop. Yes. And I know that because up to that point, I had been like dating people, like, I had like always had somebody I was like texting or dating or talking. And like, even before Jordan, it was, there was another guy and another guy. So it was always jumping from guy to guy to guy. Like I had never like settled within myself. And since that experience, I have been single. And this is the longest I've been single. I think in my life, I've been single for a year. I don't have anybody that I'm talking to. Like it, it did truly close the chapter because I'm not going back to those old patterns again. So I know for sure, like, okay, this is a different, this is a different version of me now. How does that feel for you now? Deliberate? Oh my God. Mix of both? It's the best. It's the best. How so? Um, I just like used to be so afraid of falling asleep at night thinking that I was going to have to be alone one day. Like I used to like fill the space in my bed with the fear of there being nobody because like feelings of loneliness would come up. And now like falling asleep in my bed with my cat is like the best thing ever. Like, I'm not saying I wouldn't ever, I don't want to be with somebody in the future, but like to know that I can sleep alone now and like feel total peace is something I had never experienced. Like when I was 13 years old, I had a boyfriend and I used to fall asleep on my, this was a house phone, by the way, 
fall asleep on the house phone talking to him because I was just so upset. Like I was just dealing with like my family's divorce and it was like kind of chaotic. So like I went to him for comfort. So I was, I literally released years of codependency when that experience ended. And so that is, it's a feeling of bliss and freedom. Even though you're in this freedom now, how much pain did it take to get there? It's a big, it's a big, like, how much did it take to get there? Yeah, so much, right? Like, so much pain. Because I always like being realistic with people watching because it, it's easy to see, like, yeah, person's here, I should be there. But it's like, I just want you to go into that, like, no, it fucking takes a shit. You know, it's gonna <laughs> definitely gonna make me cry again right now because I think about all of the suffering it took to get to this place and a lot of denial and a lot of, you know, put the bandaid on it, talk to somebody new, you know, text this guy, hop on this dating app just to flirt, like just filling the void, filling the void until one day you dead silence. But it took years of that. I'm talking 13 to 20, 13 years old to 29 years old. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I'm not good at math, but it feels like it's a big number, 16. <laughs> Something like that. Right. You're right. <laughs> I hear you. And what was like the most in I, I hear you, right? It takes that time, but in that time it's always like an intense initiation, like a like a window of time where it's like super fucking intense. What was that window for you where like everything, like all everything came up and it was like the most significant period for that growth? Definitely after the breakup. Well, it's so the thing was it still continued after the breakup. So like, but, but immediately after my ex fiance and I split, I had hooked up with another guy. And so all of that came public and that was so overwhelming. And then it wasn't like, that was the biggest moment. And like, there were still little like stumbles around, but ultimately that entire experience was the catalyst to this mindset and this freedom now, because it was just, it was like a big release. <laughs> I almost said it was like a big poop. <laughs> Have you forgiven yourself for that? Have I forgiven myself for that? Really? Yeah, I have. Because I don't think I would be able to say that though had I not been on have had I not been on good terms right now with with everybody who was who was a part of it. So I'm thankful that I got the closure I needed. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it would look like if if I didn't get that that closure. Yeah. No, I hear you. It's uh, good to hear. It's a, uh, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. All, all kudos to you. Um, in because I, I also believe that even though you're single now and that's great, you know, I, I'm single too. I'm, I'm I'm enjoying it, but I also do know that even though it feels good, the next thing you're gonna get, you're gonna attract again whatever you have to heal. So it's like a, how do you feel about that? Like knowing that you're you're free in all these ways now, but. You just know that the next person comes, like they're going to bring up some shit in you that you have to face. Hmm. I never really looked at it like that. Never noticed that? Like like did, when you attracted your most recent partner, you're not seeing yourself like, okay, that person was there to teach me something. I had to learn from my evolution. Yeah, right. And for sure. But like going forward, I just think the person, like I went from being very open-minded to who I would spend time with to being incredibly picky. because. I'm calling in something that's matching where I am now. And like, I haven't really met that. So 
whoever I meet from this point, I can comfortably say that whatever lesson I learned from there, it can't be harder than the first one. Like there's no way. Yes. The way I put it is you want a clean mirror, right? Because a good partner is a mirror into what you have to heal. If they're dirty, if they're not aware of their shit, if they're gaslighting you, doing all this stuff, it's hard. But if you have a partner who's clean and just like reflects back to you with no judgment of like, oh, you're going through this. I'm with you. I'm holding your hand through it. It's okay. That's powerful. So I think that's what what you say you're looking for. It's like a partner you know is going to be there for you to help you process all this stuff. Yeah. And and I would be the same because it's like, I think, think that what we're doing is the journey of a lifetime. It's the most important thing anybody can do with their life. Yeah. Like this is the path that you're supposed to walk. This is your path to coming to terms with existing. Like that is just the basis of it. And so if, if like, I don't think I could, yeah. So I don't know. I'm rambling now, but I, I, I don't know. It's, it's crazy to think about. Like it is really crazy to think about. I hear you. What, what's been the hardest thing for you to heal on the path? Like the one thing that just keeps fucking with you, keeps coming up, keeps coming up. Keeps coming, like what's been like the one thing for you that's like, oh, it's been a fucking pain in the ass. Yeah. You know, I thought it was. At first, I thought it was codependency and attention. And now I'm realizing it's a lot of security. And um, yeah, like I have an OnlyFans, right? And so to me, I'm like, okay, I'm pushing the, I'm pushing my boundary a little bit in an area, which I'm okay with because I, it's not really pushing a boundary. It's kind of crossing up with people pleasing, right? Because it has a stigma, but it's something that like I'm okay with. But I'm okay with it because I like the security that comes with it financially. So it's like an interesting battle that's happening around that thing that's in my life. Um, and I, I'm realizing like, I think like, okay, like I could just stop. And then the idea of stopping, it's like, mm. or if I say no to a show, I'm saying no to a check. So I'm like, mm, even though maybe I need the mental health break. So it's the security that's really the next one. How do you see that going? Like, what, what what do you think it'll it'll take? What do you think it'll take to get over that? Do you want to get over that? Because it doesn't, doesn't seem like the worst thing to to not get over. <laughs> I think that um, I think that if I want to, yeah, I think. Listen, if 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 my if my if my goal in life is to walk every path to figure out myself deeper, then that's one path I'm going to have to inevitably walk. Mm-hmm. I have to do it. I got to figure out what, where the fear is coming from. And the only way to figure it out is to like face it. And I had to do that with being single. So, and I had to, yeah. So I'm going to have to do it and I'm, I'm preparing myself to do it. Like I'm, I feel like I'm nesting right now. I've been, you know, looking at houses to buy that are like, they have a better mortgage than my rent. Like, I'm like, okay, I'm, going to give myself a year in this place. I can cut back off these platforms for like a year. I can like sit here and I can like just think about what I want to do next and explore that. So maybe, you know, not being so focused on security will open up space for more, for more, like for a clearer path on what I want to do next. For sure. You're opening yourself up to the unknown, what the unknown can give you, right? If you're always in the space of what you know best or what, what you think life should be, then it's hard to open up the magic. So it's good to hear that you're opening yourself up for the magic before we kind of start wrapping up i wanted to get into your decision to be so vocal and take uh antidepressants what was that journey for you because for me i'm with you i take i take something 
mm-hmm. harmful because how spiritual I am, how against pharmaceuticals I am, all that stuff. And I'm assuming it's similar for you. So how's that journey been for you in like not shaming yourself for taking it and being so vocal about it? Yeah. Well, I guess you just hit a point, right? And so this is the way I look at it. I was at a point where I was only having fun when I was like totally numbing the pain by partying with my friends. And that led to me putting substances in my body anyway. And then once I wasn't doing that, I was kind of living in this place of like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. And so being on the antidepressant now has got me to a place where I feel like it has been a part of why I can pull away from substances. And now I can sit truly with what is in my body. And maybe going forward, I can then pull back even further. So I'm kind of using it very specifically as a tool to just try to find peace. And I think it's been a very essential tool, taking it the time I took it for everything I was going through on social media, and then also how I was feeling internally. So I, and I've always, 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 always struggled with depression, like as a kid. So I think that I owed it to myself to just see what it was like. And I think that, yes, there's a stigma around it, but if we're talking about exploring and healing, then that means you do have to walk down those paths that you feel like are kind of scary, whether it be the unknown or whether it be being alone or whether it be, um, you know, trying an antidepressant because like you were afraid that maybe it would have been stigmatized. Like allow yourself to just open the door because you can always come back. Like you can always come back. And so that's kind of the way I looked at it for myself. And like, I actually came off the antidepressants when I went to go do ayahuasca and then went back on them after. And in my ayahuasca experience, I had this understanding that I wasn't going to need them anymore. And then coming home, it hit so hard after you experience something that beautiful and big that like the low from that experience, I was like, I, I feel like I need support right now. And so again, I called it into my life as support. And that's the way I'm looking at it. Um, and it's really been helping me. And I'm not saying that it's it's anything other than where I'm at right now. Like everything I do in my life, I'm only doing it in the present moment because this is what's honoring me right now. I expect to evolve as a person as I have evolved in the past. So like, I don't want to be boxed in as anything. And so this is a very like right now experience for me, but I've been on them for a year now aside from the ayahuasca experience. So it's been really helpful. So feeling into it, how did that, how did the depression show up for you before? What did that feel like? What it looked like? And then now with your strategy now, how is it, how does it feel different? Look different. Yeah. Um, Depression before was like, I guess feeling like, what's the point? Mm-hmm. A lot of what's the point? Like, why so sad? Why so much this? Like, it felt so heavy. I could cry thinking about it. I'm also about to get my period. <laughs> so you, you really got me <laughs> on a dime right now. But let it all out. Um, it just was so, so, so heavy. So yeah, now to me, when I hit, because just because I'm on antidepressants does not mean I don't hit lows, <laughs> right? Like, it doesn't just always keep you up. You can manage the low better. I'm sorry. You can manage the low better. The low is more manageable. Like you can feel exactly. Yeah. And so that's kind of where I'm at. Like now that I understand what antidepressants have have become for me as a crutch and a tool. Um, yeah, it's been 
it's interesting. I just said that and I'm like, is it a crutch or is it a tool? Like, I think like a crutch is something you lean on, which is definitely true, but a tool is something that you're using to, to better something. So I don't know. I, I feel better calling it a tool. What led to you in the moment being like, I'm doing this? What was like the final straw? Was it the shame? Like what was like the big thing in you being like, I have to do this? Yeah, I think it was like me realizing. So I had just moved in with my best friend in Miami and she just doesn't struggle with depression. She's got the most positive attitude ever all the time. And like, I realized being around her, how much of a cloud I was. Like I was just, I was the negative one. I was the cloud. I was like the vibe killer. I was, and not because I wanted to be, not because I was a bad person, because I just didn't have it in me. Like it, there was something wrong. So I started taking them. And then six weeks later, I'll never forget when they kicked in. Like I was walking down the street and I was looking around and like, I was like, oh my God, like I feel okay. Mm -hmm. And I just, I was like, this is what my dad feels like. This is what my sister feels like. This is what Kristen feels like. Like you get to just walk around feeling okay. There was not that underlying depth of sadness anymore. So yeah. It was powerful. Put that in my heart. I just want to speak to that. I really felt that relief in you. It's big because it's hard to get there. So I just want to speak to that. Like, I see that. I, re I really feel that for you. That, that that relief is big. So I'm happy that happened. Thank you. Me too. Yeah. And it's good for me. It's, you know, I, I, so I used to be on a laundry list of stuff mm -hmm. of, of medication. It wasn't good. Went off of it. Went the whole spiritual route, the health route. Um, I, w I was feeling good, but I always felt kind of depressed. Mm -hmm. So taking something I felt better. But then I shame myself to be like, I can't, I'm, I'm too good for this. I can't be taking this stuff. I'm too smart for this. And then I went off of it for a couple of months and I was okay. But again, I felt like, I felt that cloud. And I was like, cause I believe I'm awareness. I, I was, I was the awareness observing the cloud all the time. But I was like, is this what I want my, 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 my life to be focused on all the time? And then, so I took it back and, I feel the sunshine, so it's it's good to hear that you know you're also going through that, and yeah, goes to you because it takes it takes bravery, especially in our world. Yeah, and I'm happy for you, and I think that like yeah, our or at least for me, like my ego for the longest time was like you're strong, you're good, like look what you've gotten yourself through. You don't need shit, but like you do. Like I did, not you do, I did. <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm happy for you. I'm really really happy for you. Happy for you to uh, I'll uh, I'll let you go. But I just want to say that I'm truly impressed by you and everything you're doing. Genuinely, it's um you're really doing the work. Most people say they do, but I feel it like in my heart talking to you. You're really doing it. So thank you. Well, well, kudos to you. So keep thank it. you. I really really appreciate you. I uh, feel like this is the first time on a podcast that I've like felt like yeah things that I've always like wanted to bring clarity to for me, like you've helped me bring those out and like talk about them. So I really appreciate you creating the space and platform to be able to do this. And I really respect everything you say. So thank you for having me. Oh, thank you very much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Thank you. We'll keep in touch. All right. Yeah, definitely. All right. Thank you very much. Have a, have a good one. <laughs> okay. Bye. Thanks.